0: Welcome adventurer to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. The toilet is down, <laughs> the plumbing's hooked up, and the walls are painted, I like two more days and it's going to be ready to go. It's looking good
1: then scott's gonna come blow it up
0: <laughs> <laughs> on that note welcome adventurers to episode 74 of the level up board game podcast this is patrick
1: hey king scott here and i'm the dung merchant will <laughs> Woo! and we've got will with us
0: today mr will brown the hungry gamer we're gonna get right into some banter here because will you got some stuff going on what with the game that we've talked a lot about tell us about uh lunar rush in the process on kickstarter how's that going
1: well, it, it is going, it is the slowest, steadiest Kickstarter I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. No negative days, but just a very gentle slope into stretch goals. I think we just unlocked another one this morning or like 30 bucks away from the next one. Wow. And just, you know, slowly, slowly move, move moving on up. It didn't, um, it didn't catch fire. I think like we all hoped, but you know, there's a lot of games out there with a lot of sexy themes and you know, Mining the moon is not the
0: sexiest thing. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, anybody that I've played it with has been gaga over it. Nikki even messaged me today again. She's like, hey, I know that we couldn't get Rush in time for PGX. We had some issues with uh, a certain member of the secret cabal, Don. uh, Didn't get it sent in time, uh, even though he said he did, Don. So we didn't have it for PGX. No big deal. And I said, I just go ahead and send it back to California. Nikki has messaged me at least twice. Asking if, hey, I know we didn't have it in time, but did they send it to you anyway? Because <laughs> she still wants so to So Nikki, play it. I want you to, know, to know that I
1: offered it. it. I offered it twice. Not <laughs> once. May not once, but twice. I
0: figure it'll be in, in hands there where you guys can show it to people you haven't shown it to yet. Not that we can't. But with the Kickstarter, like it is an imminent thing for you guys. Whereas for me, it might sit in my basement for a week. And it's like, Patrick's oh, like, I don't t-
1: care about Nikki's wants or needs. <laughs> <laughs> I want my basement space. I just want to spend
0: time
2: in Nikki's basement. She's got she's got all the games. Scott, what you been up to? Oh, well, I've just been uh, just finished up filming a uh, little student film this weekend. So all sorts of weird hours at a hotel and like four o'clock in the morning, lighting the place up playing a paranoid schizophrenic that's going to go on some sort of murder spree. So it's been a hoot. Mm. <laughs> so no
1: acting required.
2: Hey, this one's close to my heart. This is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good. No, the funny thing, actually, it was uh, someone I met five years ago at my high school reunion. And he was like, we got to get together and do something. Cause he was just going back to school for filmmaking and stuff. Finally came up and we were going to do a movie And something's got hooked up. So it's been pushed off till spring. He had this one come up. He's like, yeah, how about you play just the motel clerk? Sure. No problem. Well, the main person got uh, sick and he's like, all right, you're going to be the main person in this whole thing now. So we're going to have you here for 20 plus hours over two days. So how's that sound? So it was was interesting. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, a lot of fun not being an extra on a set. And actually having lines and doing things and being more important than the extras are. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So it was a good time.
1: That was uh, money well spent poisoning another actor.
2: <laughs> you recoup the
1: cost with your pay from
0: this will, one. Will
2: you it's, gotta keep it on the down low? Seriously. Keeping it real.
1: It's okay. Patrick doesn't understand this. He's not an actor. He we're just <laughs> saying words. We're saying extra in lines. And he's like, What's happening
0: here? Don't even know what that's it's might as well be speaking French. Don't don't get it. We had the Stone Meyer Charity Auction happen this uh yes. well by the time this goes live. It'll have been two weeks ago. But Adventures You'll recall the beginning of the last episode. I actually took a moment and did a, a little what do you okay. You guys are actors. What do you call it when you speak all by yourself and it's a just a monologue?
1: You? Or if you're talking to the audience, a soliloquy. Oh, yes. So
0: I was doing a hyperbole at the beginning of last episode for the adventures to talk about the Stonemeyer charity auction. I'm very, very pleased to say that $1,500 was the winning bid. Plus you couple that with the match, uh, something like $2,500 was the donation that went to the, uh, the children's eye center fund here oh, in wow. Pittsburgh. They did all the work for Sarah. It's a fund that is going to put the money towards uh, families that need these magnifiers and whatnot and can't afford them. So it legitimately helps the kids. The guy in charge of the fund is the surgeon that has treated Sarah. So I've just, my, my heart, my heart is happy on account of uh, the board game community and uh, the adventurers who reached out. I know I I messaged a whole bunch of friends. The, the listing was at like $200 and and a very close friend of ours uh, of the show, Ryan, he messaged like, Hey, check it out now. And he put a a really nice comment. And for a minute there, he held the high bid. (laughs) It's like seeing (laughs) folks come out uh, in support of not only our charity, all of them was wonderful, but mostly our charity. That's one that I... Care about the most. <laughs> 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 no, uh, excellent, though, and I tell you what: there are times, Scott. We don't do this for for any sort of money. We don't get a no. kickback uh, when we do a commercial. We're not getting paid for it. And there are times where I think you and I both go, ah, "How much more do we have in us? You know, are we going to keep going? Uh, we what's it all for? What's the end goal here?" And something like this, it was like finally we got to put an end goal and say, "Look at what this has done." Not just the meetups that we have, not just uh, being able to to go to conventions and whatnot but to have made a difference in some way as a direct result of doing this show feels amazing
2: it was something that was really pretty amazing whenever i shared on on facebook and just seeing people that aren't involved with gaming taking a look at it and everything it was it was something that was very special to be part of
1: yeah i was very 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 thrilled it, it came through and i just wanted to confirm we do know That all of the magnifiers are going to the kids, and not so we have to see you closer, correct? (laughs)
0: actually it's kind of neat The now tangent uh, i'll keep this short the handheld magnifier that she is it's actually backlit so if you open up a book and you need to read a sentence you just set it down on top of the book and it's got a little screen on it that magnifies the letters and she just just like you or i would read but she moves it along kind of like you know you know like we all had a grandma that used a glass bead like you'd find in a pente board game or something to like make things bigger. It's like that, but it's digital. It's, it's technical. She has a desktop computer. This thing like full, it's called a Jupiter. It sits on her desk at school and she can unfold it. And then it's got a digital screen and she can slide papers under there and it magnifies it. She can take pictures of the blackboard and like zoom in on her own personal screen so that she can see things. That's why, uh, when I said in the last, uh, at the beginning of the last episode in my diatribe,
1: uh, what did we call it again? You said a hyperbole, which is not even yeah, close. Yeah, that's around. it. The hyperbole. It, 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 the, it was. It, I think. It, I think it was probably a soliloquy. In I, my yeah, simile, so, oh, yeah. yeah,
0: In my simile, I <laughs> had mentioned that you know these things really are vital, and uh, I. You can't know, I, I can come with, with a simile
1: to. about you. About now, I think Scott could, too. <laughs> Nevertheless,
0: speaking of special, we had another special thing go on here. Will, we're going to uh, keep you off the microphone for another minute. Scott, you and I had the opportunity to have our very own table at the Pittsburgh Retro Gaming Convention. This was yes, we a week did. ago when we are recording two weeks ago. By the time you adventurers are hearing this, I tell you what, man, this is well this thing is a video game convention first and foremost that's what it was founded on right these guys play like the old school games the arcades pinball and they're like let's do a con they expanded they want to get in like tabletop games rpgs but screw that man we got there early so mike and i went back and played sunset riders i got to play the old ninja turtles arcade like we'd play outside the movie theater before getting in scott what were you playing back then? Oh, oh i know you were i saw a field the tron day.
2: game machine there and i was hooked uh-huh. I mean I got the light cycles going. Oh, it was it was like I mean my my past childhood was flashing before my eyes. The only thing they needed was a Wizard of War game and I would have been done. There
0: you go. Well, you got a, a retro video game that's all yours.
1: Oh, you know, I, The Sunset Riders is fun. There was I, I suspect it's closed down, but in San Jose there was a place for a little while that's just old old retro video games and really bad drinks. But uh, uh they had Sunset Riders. I remember me and my wife went yes. in there when we played through it. But if I had to pick one, I'm gonna go Gauntlet. Oh
2: okay. yes, yes, classic. classic. Love
1: Gauntlet. Loved Gauntlet.
2: Just it, the little passive aggressive things like the barb. The warrior has shot the food. Food <laughs> warrior like- <laughs> needs food badly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we had a whole bunch of fun at the expo. We uh, we got to set up a table, and it was like, okay, what do we do? We had a couple video game, like board game. With video game IP oh, yes. sitting on the table, like, we need a way to interact. And man, <clears throat> it was like lightning struck us the last second. We broke out Clask, set it on the table, and was, Will check it. Will, have you played
1: Clask? I don't even know what that is. Is that the one that's like the little magnet yes. things yes. under? Yeah, okay, yeah, that like was air the- hockey. Yeah, that was huge at Gen Con. Everyone was playing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was huge at
0: PGX. Uh, we set this thing out on the table and our deal was, okay, we need to do something. We can't have people walking around like shopping and playing video games and then walking by our booth. And we're like, oh yeah, we do a podcast. See, see you later. <laughs> Big gulps, huh? No, we had to do something that was interactive. So we set out the class board and our deal was... Play a game of class with us. It doesn't cost anything. We'll give you a ticket for our raffle at four o'clock. But if you beat us, we'll give you two tickets. And start of the day, like, first of all, kids, Grown ups, like, and everything in between. Everyone was like, anybody can play class. So people are just stepping up and having a good time. And it's drawing a crowd, right? People are watching from afar, and like, you get some of the cheers going in the middle of like the vendor hall. So it was really, it was a sight to see. But on top of that, like, more interesting. We had Jason and Mike helping us, uh, Scott, you and I. There were yep. four of us uh, sort of manning the booth, and we were keeping tallies. So, like, okay, we got to make this interesting. We all kept tallies to see like, who would have the best record. Never mind the records by the end of the, the second weekend. I did go 17 and 0 on Sunday, just saying. Never mind the records. Nerd. We started out, and we were like, people would step up, and it was like 50 50. Sometimes they'd win, sometimes we'd win. There was a problem though, that like by four o'clock on Saturday, we had all been playing class for like six hours <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and like a 14 year old would step up and be like, I'd like to play this and we'd be like, oh, okay, great. See you know, first to three wins. We only played to three and we were just housing
1: everybody. <laughs> and so on the first day I'm hearing early on, you got a bunch of new listeners and then the rest of the week, you went negative. Yeah, well, they're just, no, <laughs> they're just it almost mean. got
0: to a point where it's like, see if you can score a goal before we get five. <laughs> Because it wasn't fair. but And I tell you what, it was it was a lot of fun. Special thanks to Jason and Mike for helping us out. Steel City Gaming for running the library and it being provided by Game Masters. Thanks to them as well. That board game room, it was hopping. It was a feature of this convention. I think it's uh, half and half now. What do you think, Scott?
2: Yeah, we were playing Guido at like uh, 1130 on Saturday night. And Wiz, the guy who organized this whole thing, he just looks over at us and he's like he yells and he's like, Wow, you board gamers go hard. <laughs> yep. You're still here. This place is packed. None of the video gamers are here at all. It's just all board gamers. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a great feeling there. I know he has big plans for next year, and hopefully it will be better, not better, but bigger. Yeah. And also that uh we'll be, have a chance to be part of it as well. So I'm really hoping so.
0: What do you got on here about HeroScape? I know you mentioned this not too long ago. You said you got some comments oh, on the Hasbro. Yes.
2: Has HeroScape. Up. What's up? HeroScape. That was an awesome thing there. Whenever that came out, that was like, it's in a big box store. This is like a miniatures game that I can go out to like Walmart or Target and pick it up. This is freaking awesome. And they're going to throw all these different things like dragons against samurais against zombies and oh wait let's throw in some guys from the matrix in it it was great it was a lot of fun then they come out with this here they come out and they're like all right we're gonna bring heroescape back everyone's going nuts so first of all Mm -hmm. it goes to hasbro pulse hasbro pulse is not having a really good time with things they've been putting a lot of things on there for a lot of their ips and stuff Trying to get funding for it. Like no, 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 no have, wait, wait, wait!
0: They did plenty good with HeroQuest.
2: Has it? Was it founded? Oh, oh HeroQuest. Yes, yes, he- HeroQuest. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, they yeah, did yeah.
0: really good with HeroQuest. Yeah,
1: they did a lot of money. Bonkers. That that's out. And I think they they announced an expansion. They're going to yep. do also.
2: They've got right, expansions coming. Not just some of the, the other like, things that they've done Kickstarter with uh, different toys and stuff that they put out there. They need five thousand people to do it in order for them to make, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they are not getting the people. And then this one here came out. Here we go. Heroscapes coming back. 250 bucks. It's not painted. It's only got a little bit of, it's got a few things here and there. It just seemed like I I almost just wanted to come to the stores and pick it up bit by bit. I mean, mm. having this big thing here I don't think I had two hundred fifty dollars worth of nostalgia in this game here. Okay, and so if
0: you could get a, a like box of it for forty bucks, you'd be okay going out six oh God, times yeah. and buying it in forty dollar shots. But two fifty all at once is, you know, this was on Tom Vassell's "This Game Will Never Be Reprinted" list, and the logic was the cost would just be astronomical by today's standards. But uh, here we are in an environment where you can put up a game. Uh, there are kickstarters. You and I we joke all the time about how like look at the all in pledge. Notice how that has a lot more backers than the you can get the core game with cardboard pieces pledge. Like yeah, in a you World know, that's War, one of the
1: things that Bernie and Brendan talk about is are with the Luna Rush. Like the mm-hmm. the core game is thirty nine dollars. Like that's that's nothing. There's like thirty people who have backed that. And, and what about your deluxe? That gold? Uh, oh, just, the, I don't know. We're, we're way, way higher. Pledge. But e- even with their previous game, the Omicron Protocol, they had this. Like people were upset. How come there's not a standees only version? so they did a standees only version i don't know it's like 5% of the people actually got yeah, they that sold, yeah but they were very had they just they just wanted it to be there they just wanted okay, it to be well, an option so just they me. could yeah so they could not take no i'm with you well no not for this cuz i know i know you're going to tell us that you spent $250 and you got all of the heroes get coming i know that's the end of this
2: story <sighs> no no actually not <laughs> no no, no, no. Gonna pass. Gonna pass. I still have my old HeroScape stuff. I will pull that out and I will play it myself here and be happy. You could sell it for more
1: than 250 bucks and oh, then God, get yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one.
2: I I don't have it in the box. I have it in a big uh container. I have everything crammed in there. Yeah, I even uh, have the Marvel one too. Ooh, it, it, he
1: he has it all in the bathroom so when he's taking a bath, he can HeroScape. <laughs> You have
2: now, no idea how cool <laughs> it is to build a bridge over top of the bathtub. That's amazing uh, architecture there.
0: Uh, I, don't want, I don't want to hear about what you're building
1: bridges.
2: No, over, the listeners, <laughs>
1: This is what the listeners want. Okay. <laughs> now it's funny that, that you said that about, you know, the selling stuff. So there, there's a guy who was on our crowdfunding show. We brought him on to pick the games. His name's Doug Gooding. Great guy. Every publisher's dream backer. He was looking at Lunar Rush and he was like, ah, it's not doing as funny as fast as I want. I really like this next stretch goal. And I think a lot of people I know are just going to be so mad at themselves that they didn't do this. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to fix this. And he bought like four more copies oh. specifically, one to unlock a funding goal that he wanted and two, he's like, I'm going to sell it to my friends for a profit. That'll teach them. <laughs> there you go. Hey, let Bernie know. I know Bernie's, uh, is he at Spiel now? No. Yeah, really. yeah, he, did, yep. he 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 he's in Luxembourg right now. He drove there so he could race around some some track
2: that they have going and I just know. saw the picture of him there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know driving what from
0: California to Luxembourg. That's got to be a long drive. You know what the price of gas right now.
1: Now Scott, I know that you have abdicated your position yes. as king. Yes. but no, no, possibly no longer king anymore. Uh, and nope. losing an identity like that and now having all this time on your hand with no more kingly duties, I have a job offer for you. Oh, now, I yeah. am a lowly dung merchant. Oh, no. oh, oh. But I always need help. All right. And I would like to offer you the position Whoa. of Lord Chief Most High what? Dung Collector. Shut up. Because, you know, someone's oh, got to do it. And, and you can hire interns Oh, to my help. God. Oh,
2: oh, Will, I, I, I mean, I think that I think the don't listeners know what should to say right decide.
1: now. I think you should let the listeners decide.
2: This has gotten way <sighs> off topic. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say right now. I mean, if I can, let me have my people call your people. Uh, We'll get something written out. Oh my God, it, this, this could be fruition of my dreams here. Right.
1: So wait, yeah. so your people call my people. So Patrick's going to call Patrick.
2: Yeah, true. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Those are listeners, if you could see Patrick's face, he's just very distraught with our nonsense here. I don't know what I was like. Yeah, it will be great having Will on the show. (laughs) Big
0: mistake. (laughs) It's okay. You'll forget in about six months. We'll do it again. Hey, we got one more uh, big Kickstarter coming up. Well, not coming up, currently live, Familiars and Foes. If you didn't listen to the episode, actually, I stand corrected. I think it's probably ended by the time this episode airs, but I was looking today, they're at like 76%. They're well on their way. And when we had them on the show, they were talking about some of the toys that they were going to make with like, oh, what did they call it? Flocking
1: with the like the, yes, the yes. fuzzy. hmm
0: they look great. I'm looking I, at the Kickstarter, and these things look adorable. No, I, I used mean, to I'll have a whole bag team.
1: of flocking. When yeah, I played, when I played Warhammer Fantasy. Oh yes, yeah, oh, you better God. flock those bases, right? Oh my yes, <laughs> you nerds. <laughs> Final. Wait, just because just you never flocked anything doesn't mean you have to judge us. <laughs> we could go so many places with that, but
0: we're going to keep it classy <laughs> and talk about controversy in the world of chess. Uh-oh. Now, apparently. All right. So we've got Magnus. M- Magnus Carlson is like the world's best chess player. Dude won 125 matches in a row. Lost one, but then he was on a new tear and he was up to like 52 or 57 games in a row without losing until he loses to what Hans Nealman or Neil Hansman. So Magnus is up against this Hans guy who's ranked pretty low in this tournament. He's, he's one of the, the lowest ranked players and he just straight up houses uh, Carlson, just beats him into a pulp. no chance. Best player in the world and he crushes him. So the next time they're up against each other after one move, Carlson just quits the game. He just concedes. What you don't know, what a lot of those stories don't tell you is that Carlson then proceeded to go on to win the tournament that he actively conceded around against this Hans Neelman character, right? The speculation is he did it because Hans is cheating. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How's he cheating? Guy apparently cheated in the past. It, it's a thing. He's got a history of it. But how can you prove it? You know, and people are starting to speculate. How's how's this happening? And the way that they came up with <laughs>
1: I would like to point out Scott that he was judging us for talking about flocking and he's about yes. to go here. All right. It's a certain
0: instrument that can be inserted, we'll say, in through the outdoor was in position and like we'll say buzzing Morse sc- you know uh, apparently he was getting the plays through that method. He had, there was a partner in crime buzzing the thing in Morse code telling him what the computer said was the next most optimal play
2: all right interesting here (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes and with audio you just can't see my judgy look that i'm giving to patrick right now
0: no but you (laughs) know know what we can do you know what we can do i actually level up being the podcast we are we had some boots on the ground at the tournament we're going to take a live we're going to take a listen in at the recorded audio from the tournament and here this is this is part of their match just listen in adventures
1: and here we are, everyone. Welcome back to the round one matchup between Hans Nielsen and Magnus Carlsen. First round, it's on to Carlsen. Let me move Knight's Pawn to B4. And here we await the response from Nielsen. King's Bishop to C7. Bold
0: move, that one. I can't tell if, if anyone can tell from that, if there was any foul play, any cheating, but that is the speculation so far. So controversy in the chess world pretty wild, pretty, you know, for being a game of chess, there's actually a pretty
1: faithful following that stirs up controversy. Mm -mm. I I just want to know, like, how do you determine that someone is waxing you in chess?
0: they' just stomping
1: your,
3: your...
0: You, you, you just win real quick is that is that it you know to my understanding whenever you have two evenly matched players, the only advantage is uh, going first. So like if you have two players that are both ranked really really high, the player playing white has a slight edge and therefore should win and wins most of the time. This was a situation where it was like Magnus was playing white like where, he's, where normally you should win, but in a loss, maybe you're down one extra pawn compared to your opponent. It was literally every single move was playing into, into a catch-22 uh, setup. Uh, supposedly, by Neilman, but I don't want to say the conspiracy, but the the allegations are that he was playing against a computer that he could not beat. So the trouncing, how do you know that like, oh, you're getting straight up trounces? Like if you look and you say, okay, I've captured two pawns. They've got my, my rook, a bishop, and four of my pawns. Like that's so lopsided in it. Something along those lines. So you would say would he bum rushed him. Is that really? Did you... That was the longest set of payoff. <laughs> yes, I would say the <laughs> bum rush. This has gone on way too long. I'm sure that this is the longest banter we've ever had in an episode of Level Up. So, guys, we're going to keep it to one recent play each for our recent adventures. Will, you're the guest. We're going to give you the floor.
1: All right. So I, I put three on our dock because I couldn't decide. And I, I've been talking a lot about one of these. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the one that I feel like I earned a merit badge for. Mm -hmm. i played feudum now oh wow feudum is pretty well known to be like one of the most complicated games to learn out of this thing is like a 4.7 weight or something ridiculous on bgd and when i was at gen con i just went over to the booth and i was just kind of looking and the guy uh it wasn't the designer he came over later he said oh you interested in playing as i'm kind of scared of this (laughs) and he said and the designer's like, no, 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 look, look, I know what's designed. It, then came over, he said it says, it says a four point seven. Really, I think this game's really like a three point nine. I was like, oh, oh, wow, whoa, oh, whoa. <laughs> well, okay. but you know, he talked me into it, talked to me about it, and he sent sent me a copy. We finally played it, I, and I told Don, who I played with, is all right, Don. Here's a how to play. You're gonna watch this twice, and I'm gonna watch this thing twice because Bernie. Learned to play this once and he said it was a 50 minute rules teach oh and i'm like that's that's not happening until we went we played and man i can see why people say this game is so complicated and hard but it's not really it's not really complicated it's all you know you do this that makes this happen but the thing about it is it's just hard like to do anything it's Mm. just hard I want to do this thing. Well, you have to have this to do that. Okay. How do I get that? Well, you got to do this to get this other thing, to get the other thing, to get the thing that you wanted to start with. there's a lot of stuff going on and I think I like it. I don't know. (laughs) I have to, but I want to play it again. And I I did a whole Nielsen bum rush on Don. I beat him by a hundred points. Holy smokes. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, man, next time I see you guys, watch the video a few times. no. And then we're gonna try this thing <laughs> because it's got Euro goodness. It's got like area control going on. It's got a lot of really cool stuff. So that's the one I'm gonna go with. And both down there, like I think we, I think we get a merit badge because we actually played this, and it only took us like two and a half hours. Which so not too long. So literally
0: one third of well about a third of your time was learning how to play, doing the rules teach. Well, oh no no no, no no
1: no no! We we just sat down and played. Because oh, we both watched the video multiple times. We yeah, were, okay, that <laughs> like <laughs> that doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was a lot of stopping in the first half of the game and like looking stuff up and figuring it out. But by the second half of the game, we're like, ah, oh, this is what's going on. It's a cool game. I think. I don't know. I'm eventually, I'm going to do a solo video of it.
0: But would you say that the amount of investment that it takes to learn it? is worth it you know there there are some games that are very difficult to learn and they just don't pay off the way you would expect like if i'm going to invest that kind of time into learning how to play
1: a game darn it it better be good you know it's hard to say yet Mm -hmm. because i definitely have to play it again and currently i want to play it again that's a good start so initially I'm, i'm gonna say yes with a real about, hard question mark at the end?
0: <laughs> a really high pitch. Well, how about the components? I always see it looks like a little snowman thing, like a meeple running around there. I have no idea what's going on in Feudum, but it looks really nice. I like the color scheme. I like the art direction. Tell us a little bit about like what's in the box and all the little bits that you get to touch with your finger pads.
1: All right. So you got a massive board mm-hmm. and you have a whole bunch of cubes. Just different colored cubes that represent food and and saltpeter, and I'm 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 hoping Scott's going to do the 1776 for me. you what me Scott. You know it.
2: No, 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 no. But I have a whole different story about saltpeter. So
1: <laughs> why do you have a saltpeter?
2: St- Never mind. I don't. Why don't you
0: have a saltpeter? Never mind. <laughs> no, no. We're we're
1: staying on track. Okay, on track. Henceforth, so- forth and, and sulfur and you know, all, all these different things. And then you have that here's the core, the real core of the game is along the side of the board. And this is it's a kind of area control. You can move your pawns around, which are dice with different symbols on each side representing what kind of pawn it is, mm-hmm. might be a knight or a merchant or nobility or whatever. But around the side of the board, there are six different guilds. And this is the core of the game because you also have cards in your hand that represent the actions you're going to take. You're going to take four actions, usually each round. You can do a guild action. And depending on who is in control of the guild, and there's a whole lot of math that goes on to decide who's in control of the guild, and it changes constantly. Mm -hmm. You're going to be either pushing things out of one guild, meaning literally you take stuff out of that space and push it into the next guild, which adjusts what happens in that guild, and you'll score points. But you also now set up that next guild where you can take a guild action in that guild and use the stuff you just pushed in there to get the things that you need Remember earlier how I said it's really hard to do anything because you got to get oh, the, yeah, do the right. thing to do the thing to do the thing to get the one thing you need? This is kind of what's going on. And everybody, you have to just go and look at the board to see somewhat what I'm talking about because each of these guilds is completely different and they're all using the same basic component that you're literally sliding from one guild to the next. And it's crazy pants confusing at first, but each round you're going to be playing four out of 10 cards in your hand that might let you put a pawn on the board. It okay. might let you move upon. It might let you attack somebody's space to try to take it away from them. It might let you, like I said, do any of these six different guilds. It might let you um, tax your people and get more money or repeat an action and just all this action selection. And I'm not going to try to explain it anymore because it's not possible in under 45 minutes as we have already discussed, but it's if you like a game that is crunchy as heck and you want that merit badge, check it out, because I think this game might actually be really fun. I just have to play it another time or two now that I think we can play. You know, it's one of those games that you want to play with the same person. Per- like, I don't know. Oh, you're going to have to. To really kind of dive in and, and start to figure it out. Because it was halfway through the game before. And I figured it out before Don did of how best to operate the guilds to make sure I could feed my people and then mm-hmm. do the other stuff. I figured it out a few turns before he did. So that's why I had the commanding lead. But I think once you got it figured out. A little humble brag there. Oh, no, there's nothing humble about it. <laughs> Full on bum rush, buddy. <laughs> Uh, Let me ask you one more
0: question: Is this yeah. a Euro, or is or is there a lot of randomness going on here?
1: Uh, very little randomness. There's a little okay. bit, like you can do all the harvest action, which is you can get supplies and put them on your farm, and it's random what comes out of the bag, unless you have put a farmer pawn out on the board, then you can choose. But it's it, it. This is Euro Euro Euro. I mean, you are literally you literally push cubes from one guild into the next.
2: Okay, like, literally, okay. it looks really cool. I'm looking at the board, and the artwork is. It's almost like, I don't know how to put it. It's different than what I expect. Whenever you hear feudum, I expect to see like very intricate artwork, but it's kind of like a loose cartoony, like graphic novel looking Mm. uh, artwork to it. Like a Rick and Morty artwork kind of. Well, that was the thing. I was thinking I was a giant Mr. Meeseeks in there. So, oh my gosh,
1: yes, yes. (laughs) And and you can get that monster. You can control that monster and have him (laughs) run around and, and you get uh, the alchemist. You're making flying airships, and you're making boats, and you're making wow. submarines, so you can move around different places. Like it's doing like everything. This does sound like fun. It, you know, I think it is. That's what I'm saying. But you know, I got to play again. I've only played once, so it's the, this is not a game. You know, sometimes you when you're reviewing a game, you almost be like I read the rules. I could review this now. I get it. Gotta this play. is not one of those. OK, like <laughs> th- th- this is many plays before I'm going to feel comfortable w- w- with talking about it. Like, usually I can play a game two, three times. And I'm like, all right, I understand Merchant's Cove is different. I've played that one tons before I do it. But this one is, this is so much happening here. I mean, th- th- this is no sushi go.
2: Yeah, I, I want to check this one out, too, as well. See,
1: so next time we're at a con. We're gonna do it, and you're gonna watch the video like four times. So we. Can well, just- I
2: know whenever we play a game with Will, all that ends up being is playing a game with beer and water bottles. Oh, full the of
0: game is only yeah. The game is a, a cattle. <laughs> yeah, tell me, you're There's complaining no game about that, being though. played? By the end of it, we're flicking the pieces at each other like paper football. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, when we were at what Gen Con, yeah, when we were at Gen Con, I showed up. You and Adam and I, we went and we all got a couple beers, and then oh, yeah. we got those to-go beers, and we're walking around. Oh, and- that horrible beer! Well, oh, the- okay, so we go to order beers, Scott, and I. We, I said to the waiter, "I'll have this one," and he goes, "You don't want that one." I was like, "What?" <laughs> First of all, the place we went in there, and they are like, "How long's the wait?" right? Because you're expecting it's, it's Gen Con. There's going to be a wait yeah. everywhere you go. They said, well, if you want to sit on that side, it's about a 40 minute wait, but over there, you can go right away. And I was like, oh, uh, go. <laughs> <okay>. Why? <laughs> well, the one side didn't have air conditioning. Their Their air <laughs> went kaput. And it was not nice and cool and comfortable in Indianapolis on that faithful day. But we went over there and I'm like, you know, it is really not so bad. So we went over there and, and we sat there, ordered this beer. The guy said, you don't want that. So I'm all going to wait for something different. He said, I don't know what went on with that beer, but it ain't right. And I was like, can you bring us a little like taster, uh, you know, a shot glass or something with it? So he brings it out and this thing is like, Opaque, it just Ooh. looks n- I took a
1: sniff and I was like, Yeah, I'm not even gonna try it. Well, did
0: you actually taste it? Yeah, yeah, well, you oh, had God. To. And, and no, that I'm, was I'm like the
1: type that you know, if I get a little sample of beer, I well. something went wrong with that sample.
0: That's like this- someone saying, You don't want to eat that meat, and they bring you out the meat, and it's like turning greenish, and you're like, Well, I'm gonna try it. It was spoiled. That beer was not good, that was terrible. But the rest of the no, beer wasn't was it great to teach people. Don't judge a book by its cover. Huh? Yeah, but you can judge a book by the smell. And there's beer. <laughs> Whoa! Holy cow! So we go back, come in full circle here. We go back. We're gonna play Rise of the Gnomes that evening, which, which I'm glad to say we did. But we were maybe an hour into Rise of the Gnomes, and I was like, "Holy crap! I am hammered. I'm hammered." And like, I've had I had one beer when we were all sitting there. And then I had uh, the takeout beer, which I I guess that big can is something like three beers four beers in four hours. Why am I, why am I loopy here? (laughs) Who was like 11%? So I did the math. and I was like, oh, so I've had the equivalent of like 12 beers in four (laughs) hours. Oh man. The the table was spinning. I did not do well in rising. We we all lost. Yeah. We we, all lost the gnomes one. Yeah. Well, guys, I want to tell you about what I've been playing, but first, I want to do a commercial for the Adventurers that sounds like Scott and I are just talking to each other. Hey, Scott, you see that picture I posted
2: on Instagram of card combos in board games? Yeah, I I did. And I love the combos. But something else that I liked were those card holders, those sweet little card holders.
0: Oh, heck yeah, Scott, those are Titans. T-I-apostrophe T-A-I-N-S, Titans. You know what? I love them for sharing photos of games, sure. But man, I use these for all sorts of things in games, especially when like you have a character card or a bunch of items that don't belong in a specific spot on the table. It gives a nice 3D aesthetic to the table. And honestly, some games, it just makes it more
2: practical. I've been busting these things out a bit. All right, all right. So if I want to get my hands on some, like for Arkham Horror, that one's a great one because you want to keep your character up and all this other kind of stuff. Where do I find them? I got mine from etsy.com/shop/infinitions
0: slash tabletop. You can find the link in the show notes and you know what? Howard hooked us up with a promo code just for our listeners. Adventures, get yourself geared up with Titans and get 10% off your order with promo code LEVELUP2022. L E V E L U P 2022 all caps, no spaces.
2: Um can I use the code you're going to have to take that one up with Howard. Okay, so where do I get him again? That's
0: etsy.com slash shop slash infinitions tabletop. You can see it in our show notes, or you can just go right to our website and click the link on the main page.
2: Sweet. Titans card holders.
0: Oh, Scott, thanks for that playful banter that was not a pre-recorded commercial. Guys, I want to tell you about a game called Radlands. Have either of you
2: played this one yet? I've seen it, but I haven't played it.
1: Yeah, I haven't. Uh, My my buddy Streamline Matt, he has it. He loves it. He says it's great, but I just haven't. You know, a simple no would have sufficed. No one cares what Streamline Matt has. Everyone cares about (laughs) Streamline Matt, okay? This is designed by Daniel Pitchnick. I have four fans who know who that is. Right. You're two of my fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got half your fans right here. I'm losing by trade of thought,
0: guys. This is designed by Daniel Pitchnick and published by Roxley Games in 2021. In Radlands, you act as the leader of your post-apocalyptic group of survivors in a tooth-and-nail fight to protect your three camps from a vicious rival tribe. If all three of your camps are destroyed, you lose the game and dudes this is a two-player game with some teeth basically start of the play each player is going to draw six camp cards you select three of them to use for the game you put them in front of you and they're going to determine how many cards you get in your hand to like start out the game obviously if a camp doesn't provide you with many cards or any then it probably has a really good ability on it now each player gets their opening cards from a big shared deck and you're ready to go so what exactly are you doing in a game well, to start around, you get three water, which is kind of like the main resource. That, that's what you're playing for. It's post-apocalyptic, right? That's the currency. Mm-hmm. So when you play a person card, right, you you draw these people. They're like your they're your they're your cronies, your minions. You can pay its water costs. You put it in front of any one of your three bases. And I should probably note that each base is allowed to only have up to two cards in front of it. Basically, these people protect the base because when you do damage in the game, you're going to do it to one of the columns that a base is in. So you're trying to wipe out the opponent's base. If they have guys in front of them protecting the base, you have to kill the guys first, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I should point out here that just about all the cards in the game take two damage to destroy. And as you probably guess, and there are cards and abilities that can heal your damaged stuff. Anyway, you play people cards with your water. Oftentimes you got a number of abilities on your people that you can activate for water as well. So of course you can do that, but there are events as well. Event cards have like a little time bomb on them that shows when they're going to happen An event with a time bomb too, for example, it's going to resolve in two turns and they actually have like a little area to the side of your play mat where you place the events, you move them up each round until they resolve easy, easy, easy to understand. Obviously the more powerful the event then typically the longer it takes to resolve we had one that was like wrath of god and magic right just nuke the board but it took three turns so the other player can prep for it finally you got two cards that you always have access to water storage which it's like a water tower you can pick it up and use it for next turn and a raid truck which is an event it's an event that's always available for you takes two turns to resolve and it damages an enemy camp of your opponent's choice they 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 give you a means of doing something, even when you have a turn where there's just not much to do, right? So that's the rules make up of the game. But I want to talk a little bit about the experience of playing, okay? Let's put the horse before the cart. Is that the expression? The horse before the cart? Let's car- put the car- cart before You always put the horse before the cart. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be. When you want to spoil what's at the end, you're putting the cart before the horse. Thank
2: you. Or you just say, I'm going to spoil the ending first.
0: I really like Radlands. <laughs> All right, this, this game is awesome. And let me count the ways why. Number one, this thing's a strategic one-on-one game, two-player game. Uh, I, I should point out if I didn't already, it is a two-player game. I think it's gonna favor the more skilled player. And I like that in my games. I like when you can get better at it. It's evidence that a game does have room for players to improve. You know what I mean? Some people like the game, we're like, oh, I want to be able to sit down and compete on my first play. That's fine. But I like games where if I'm sitting down for my 15th play, you shouldn't be able to compete on play. Well, you know what I mean? Like someone should be able to improve on their play. Anywho, number two, (laughs) there's an excellent balance of weighing whether to do something fast or to expand on your simple abilities or to pay for something more expensive and have to wait for it to pay off. Number three, those events. Oh, how I love the events guys. These things are influential. Some of them can, like I said, basically wipe out everything on the board but what I like is that you do get to see them ahead of time and the game gives you little ways you can interact with them. Uh, one of the bases that Ryan had when we played allowed him to like cheat an event up a turn. So if it was in the two slot, I knew it was going to one, but he might cheat it and make it trigger. Oh, they're so good. What is that sound? That would be my wife sneezing. That is adorable. That is adorable. Number six, and finally, I saved the best for last. I don't even know where I'm at on my numbers. Let's save the best for last. This is a game about finding and exploiting synergies. And if there's something that I want to hammer home to you guys about what you can expect when you sit down to play Radlands, it's an easy rule set, right? You're just drawing cards and playing stuff, but you are looking for synergies from amongst these cards. You want to find that two-card combo and hammer it home as much as possible until your opponent finds a way to bust it up. Scott, you remember when we were playing... um, uh, what innovation. We we're playing innovation at SCG yes. a couple of weeks ago. That's a game where like I need to find a busted thing, and then I just need to keep doing it. And mm-hmm. you you beat your opponent into a pulp, but eventually they find a way out of it. Like they they one up it and they mm-hmm. start beating me almost like a tug of war. Eventually, in Radland, someone's gonna have just enough steam to finish off their opponent's last base. It is just that, an amazing tug of war. And I absolutely need to get myself a copy as soon as possible great game this one is
2: very interesting i know i've heard a lot of people go on about that they really enjoy it Mm -hmm. i looked at it and it just kind of the outside box of it kind of reminds me of like an also ran like oh i can play that or i might not it's i'm not going to miss anything if i don't play it but everyone that i've talked to that has played it Loves it so. uh I, I'm interested in checking that out as well. Count me. Yeah, in.
1: I've heard lots of people talk about it being great. That it's kind of that MOBA style game, which is just not 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 my favorite. But everything I've heard is it's it's a best in class of that style of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Yeah,
0: see, when I think MOBA game, I, I oftentimes I think like miniatures uh clashing, but this does it with the cards. Uh, similar concept, just different execution. It is strategic. It's strategic. And you find things in the game that make you feel like you're doing something special. Like I have a nuke set up for three turns from now. I've got a Raider truck on deck and my two guys in play are going to let me keep healing each other and protecting my bases until the, the bomb. Like you get to set up a different plan every time. I didn't mention those bases at the start of the game. You draw six bases and you pick three. That's what you get to play with. They're all different and they come from a deck of like 35. Wow. And the bases have unique abilities. So before you even draw a card, your setup of how I'm going to like what bases am I going to select and what's going to what's going to make me me in this game is going to be totally different than your opponent, of course, but probably remarkably different than any other time you've played the game.
2: Very cool. Very, very cool. All right, Scott, the floor is yours. Give us a recent adventure. All right. Well. I haven't really gotten out to play many games or anything lately and. uh, Okay. We're done done here. What's that? And we're done here. I mean, (laughs) based on your recent abdication, I hope you're going to say you're playing guillotine. (laughs) Mm. Uh, I do have that in my car all the time. So you never know when that's going to break out. But someone invited me on BGA to play a game of Baron Park and I've never played it. So I figured, hey, let's give it a try. So I gave Baron Park a try and this is from 2017. Designed by Phil Walker Hardy and published from Lookout Games. Hey, guess what? You're going to build a park. This is one of those games where you're placing wait, 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 wait. a bear park. I no, assume because it's, it's called
1: Baron. Par- oh, okay.
2: But yeah, so, I mean, don't, don't, don't put front. your
1: cart before his horse. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> no, when you, when he said you're going to build a park, I, you know, there's a big bear on the front and nice. It's called Baron, which is really close to bear and Berenstein bear. So I thought, well, it's got to be, yeah. Hey, Berenstein or Berenstain spell Berenstain bears Berenstain.
1: I, I, I know that they say it's stain. The crew, Yeah.
0: So that's yeah. the spelling big. adventures. Look it up. The spelling is not how you remember Scott. I'm sorry. You said anyway, it's polyomino game.
2: Yes, it's polyomino game. And anyway, I mean, let's stop and think here. Arc Nova. I mean, is that really uh, remind you of a zoo? No, it doesn't. But anyway, I digress. Wait, what? where are you going with that? Well, you're going on about Baron Park and like. Never mind. The title. Okay, sure. Look, you know, there, there
1: there's carts before horses and horse. Everything's everywhere right now. Let's just, you know, let's pull it back together here.
2: All right. So in this one here, you have polyominoes. You're building a zoo. So this one has all sorts of areas you can choose from, as well as different shapes. You start out with a four by four grid of the park with different symbols on it. There are workers on it, a wheelbarrow, a cement truck, and a backhoe so your presented pieces available for your uh, for you to build your park on the playmat where the pieces are they're separated by three zones there're zones based on yeah you got it wheelbarrow cement truck and backhoe and each one of them presents you with a larger piece and also gives you more pieces and it's a little more difficult to fit it on your playmat So whenever you build a piece on your board, if you cover up one of those symbols, you get to take one of the pieces that are coordinated with those colors. It's all cool. You fill up the entire board. You get a little statue of a bear saying, hey, you done good. Here's some extra points. But then you run out of space. So whenever you cover up one of the spaces with workers on it, you get another four by four grid to put out there and expand your park. You keep on placing this, uh, building your park bigger and bigger and bigger and trying to be the most efficient person putting things together. It's not a brain burner. It's not one a feudum that you're going to sit there for 50 minutes. It's an easy game to pick up. But Mm -hmm. what I like sometimes whenever I'm playing a game, sometimes you don't want to really take a long time to really get into a game and really sink your teeth in it. You've got 30 minutes. You want to play something easy this fits that bill perfectly. It's comfortable. You are very familiar with the mechanics that you're going to be playing with. You can knock it out quickly, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, something like that. Maybe even 20 Mm -hmm. minutes. If you get it quicker, maybe even 18 minutes. Whoa. Whoa. But it's (laughs) just one of those (laughs) things that's very comfortable. It's fun to play and kind of just, let your mind get to your happy place and just feel comfortable. I, I, I'm I more, we always talk about this, that I'm more of the experienced person of the games. I like what I feel whenever I'm playing this game. I just feel good playing this. It's something that I'm familiar with. I can play it. It's easy to play. Check out Baron Park. Really, it's it's a real nice little game to play. Maybe, I, I hear Hans Neilman felt good playing that chess, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Scott, this says ages eight
2: and up, and you said it is easy to play, uh, easy to uh, to pick up at circle, and you think eight and up works? Uh, Very much so. Yeah, there's there's no problem with it. I mean, as long as you can take a look at the piece and see where you can fit it on your board, yeah, shouldn't be any problem at all. I mean, (laughs) you might not pick up one of the strategies of getting pieces lined up so you can get things more efficient to fill up your entire four by four grid. But still, you can have a good time with
1: it. I, I Every year I do the Board Game Geek Secret Santa. Uh-huh. This is one that's been on my list every year because I I could just buy it. Like I have a job. I could do it, but I just <laughs> I don't. But uh, so I'm always super intrigued by it. But so my, my question is, because I, I know you've played this because I think you just talked about it last week. and We played it together. How do you compare it to Planet Unknown? Because that's a pretty quick. Fun that little polyomino, a, game. Yeah. little
2: polyomino game. Yeah, Planet Unknown though, I think has a little more things that go in together. As far as this piece will interact with this piece, everything interacts together. Like triggered These, effects. Once you put the pieces down, that's it. Hmm. There's nothing else that happens. So I think that the mechanics of Planet Unknown definitely a step up than Baron Park.
0: Okay. How about the theme? You know, you're you're building this park filled with nothing but bears. Are you getting the theme of the game as you play? You know, does I think polyamino's place I think, in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm thinking like you're literally just, you know, <laughs> does this Tetris piece fit with that one? And in a game like Planet Unknown, while that is a, a prominent feature of the game, you still do get a little bit of the the theme shining through, like you're you're actually terraforming these planets. Theme in Baron Park. Yay, nope, nay. No, no nope. theme.
2: I mean you look at it and in your mind you're kind of like uh, look at that and putting the tigers next to the bears oh my okay but uh, it's never at any one point in time you're thinking well I need to make a coordinated effort to make a pathway go through here and make it look aesthetically pleasing to the customers that come through the gate no
0: let me put you on the spot. Suppose that you don't have this in your collection and I'm going to guess that the MSRP is thirty nine ninety nine. and you're walking through the FLGS tomorrow and they have it on sale for 26
2: bucks. Are you buying it? No. Okay. 22 bucks. No. no, I don't think it's one that I'm <laughs> no, ever like, going to really saying. buy because number one, I could play it on BGA anytime I want to. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I don't want to come back to a lot. It's one that you're happy to play whenever someone offers it up like, oh, why don't we play this? Certainly, why not? It's not one that I'm going to sit there and how you were with Radlands trying to figure out the best way to play and build your education on how to play it. This is when you're just going to play and have a good time playing it and not really look at how can I become the best Baron Park player I possibly can be.
1: Mm. It sounds like a nice little little filler.
2: Yes, yes, very much so. Unless
1: setup takes a long time. Sometimes polyomino game setups are a bear.
2: Oh! <laughs> oh, I'm gonna miss that in my other life. Here, I don't have uh, a trumpet fanfare in front of me anymore. You don't get any oh.
0: introduction, red carpet rollouts, or anything like that anymore.
1: Well, no,
2: oh.
0: you
1: know, it won't be a red carpet, but you can have a carpet. You come work for the dung merchant. I'm just saying.
2: Oh man, you you are just sweetening this deal every time you say It's something. enticing. All Guys, the let's peanuts talk you can top one hundred. We've got Prime Movers. The Crew Mission
0: Deep Sea is up two spots to number 46. Cascadia up two spots to number 27. Great Western Trail Second Edition up two spots to number 86. Only one game fell more than one slot, and that is Pandemic Legacy Season 2 down two spots to number 48. No debuts in the top 100. No changes in the top 10. We've got New Highest Peaks, the aforementioned games, the Crew Mission Deep Sea at 46, Cascadia at 57, and GWT Second Edition at 86. But also Kanban EV hopped up another spot to number 80, and Beyond the Sun up to number 92, which we had the opportunity to... You didn't play with me, did you? No, no, I did not. Oh, I got to show this one off to some people. A couple that were kind of non-gamers at the expo, they loved it.
1: Loved it. Yeah, this this is one I wanted to try for a long time. In fact, the game I almost talked about, Cora, I've been told is just a not space version of the same type. Oh, really? Right? Oh, then
0: I'd probably oh. love
1: Cora. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. Sometime next week, man, if you guys want to get on and place some Beyond the Sun,
0: I am down. I'll play that every time.
1: All right. Do I have to watch a video first?
0: No. Honestly, the teach will take about fifteen minutes. It's not that that. Tough. All right. I'm yeah. sold next week. <laughs> we got some birthdays. Two years to barrage. One of my favorite recent reviews. Barrage Two Years, Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon Two Years. They've got their Kings of Ruin on Kickstarter yeah. right now. The Voyages of Marco Polo seven
1: years. And next Thursday, the Hungry Gamers. Woohoo! What? My <laughs> birthday <laughs> next Thursday, you goober. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: Designed by David Carl, Alex Hall, and Steve Margitson, published by Steamforge Games in 2019, God Tier is a tactical skirmish game, ideally for two players. At the start of a game of God Tier, players will place a hex board map on the table, select a scenario to play, and then each player is gonna select an agreed upon number of champions from 1 to 4. Now, each of these asymmetric champions comes with their own followers as well. Together, this team of champions and their followers is referred to as a player's warband. The warband miniatures for each player are placed at their starting positions in the map, and the map itself is seeded with various tokens as dictated by the scenario selected. In some scenarios, there's reasons to have a strong position in the center of the board, whereas other ones might offer benefits for spreading out a bit. So what goes on in a turn? Well oftentimes your abilities are actually going to depend on your characters you have to work with. You see, each champion and each follower type has a double-sided card that outlines what it's capable of. Yes, the card is double-sided, and that's because each round of play is divided into two primary phases. You have abilities for one phase, and then you flip your cards, and it shows your abilities for the next phase. So first, the plot phase. During this phase, the first player will activate every single one of his or her units, then the opponent will do the same. Now interestingly, this is not alternating one piece at a time, and in this case, it makes for some careful strategic consideration when you're the player moving your units first. See, typically this phase allows for just movement and positioning of your units. The second phase is the clash phase. In this phase, turns are alternating. The first player will activate one unit, and then their opponent does the same, then back to the first player, etc., until each unit on the battlefield has been activated. As you might imagine, card abilities in this phase are not limited simply to basic attacks, but several of them are going to add modifiers, tokens, bonuses, and more, and it all comes down to the capabilities of your warband. The final phase in a turn is the end phase, where players are going to tally points for their banners and champions on the board, and whoever has more, they're going to score points for the round. Now, interestingly, round one is worth one point, round two, two points, round three, three points, but in rounds four and five, you're only going to score two and one point respectively. You see, the goal of the game is to be the first player to score five points. So some games are going to end after just three rounds of play, whereas others might take all five. Whoever lost the current round gets to decide if they want to go 1st or 2nd in the next, and you're back to the plot phase. Now, This is a simple rule set, but make no mistake, there are plenty of juicy gameplay wrinkles across each of the champions and their followers, coupled with the scenario, and while you're always going to be shooting to be the first to have 5 points, the makeup of your warband is what's going to present you with different options every game. A miniature skirmish clash has been on the table for Level Up. Let's see what they think in the 8-bit breakdown of God Tear.
1: Even gods can die. As they fall, only their divine essence remains. Great crystal meteors known as God Tears, raining from the skies to land in the mortal realm. A few rare mortal champions are able to withstand and harness the immense power of a God Tear, but once they taste that power, They are driven
2: by an endless ambition to gain more. The God Tears await the Chosen. All right,
0: guys, it's that time. Time for the 8-bit breakdown of God Tear. Before we get this rolling, let's point out that we, Scott, you and I, were in fact provided a copy of the game along with a handful of champion packs from Steamforged Games.
1: Starting with bit number one, the art and components. Will, you're the guest. Right, so I'm of two minds on the art and components. The miniatures are great. They look awesome. Mm-hmm. The the dice, nice dice, all yep. of that. But then everything else is. It is. It's nice. It's functional. It works. The tiles are plenty chunky. But compared to those miniatures, everything else feels here it Mm-hmm. But those miniatures, man! If I had lots of space, or if I was big into like Dungeons and Dragons and like running games, I would have every single one of those miniature uh, factions and just be using them all the time. Those get are some them the, best up. Yeah, so right the best miniatures, yeah. Right, that's
0: the they set the bar really up. high with those miniatures. But then the board is just like it's a big rectangle with hexes, and and is- even the color on the board, it's like it's yeah. functional, it works, it's a battlefield, but. Compared to the excitement
1: of the minis, it's like, man, this is a tile. And this is a hex. And to be fair, it's not that there's nothing wrong with it, but those minis
2: are so nice. I do really like the minis. The minis do look really, really nice. It really reminds me of Warhammer Underworlds in a way where you have the little team that you're going to be playing with. You have cards that give them special bonuses But, yeah, just a little something more on the board, I think, would have been nice there to have, like, actually going back to very similar in style and everything is War of the Planeswalkers that Magic put out a while back. the Arena of
0: the Planeswalkers. Yes.
2: And they had, like, little cardboard walls or buildings you could put up. I mean, it wasn't anything big. It was just something you just put two pieces of cardboard together. Boom. You got something else to add on there. You got a something like that would have been really special to make everything pop on this game. A missed opportunity in my mind.
0: If anything, it is a testament to how good the miniatures in the game are, because I I wouldn't say that the rest of it is, I wouldn't even call it disappointing. I would say like you said, well, I think it's standard. It's just like, okay, yeah, it works. It functions. But because you're expecting, you know, th- this bit. now let's not, we don't like to incorporate price guys. We're talking like 40 bucks for one of the starter sets here too. Mm-hmm. This is not a, a mega expensive game. And that, right. that's a factor when you th- like 3d elements are going to add some, some cost to it, that sort of thing. There's not a lot of artwork here either. You have the artwork on the cards representing your champion and representing the characters that, go with them the war band so to speak but other than that outside of the rule book you're not going to be seeing a whole lot of art throughout the game but what was there i thought was pretty good pretty nice Mm -hmm. bit number two we talk theme and immersion guys i think god tier is plenty thematic and and follow me here i think it's plenty thematic because of the ways that each first of all each faction plays differently and you get some flavor from each in that regard. I was playing a game with Mike. He had that green character. And I don't remember its name, but he was like, he's actually manipulating the battlefield in ways that I could not do. It was flavor for him specifically. You're going to get some uh, variation in your theme from scenario to scenario. You open that book. You got something like eight different scenarios. Now, Scott, I know you said you played on the intro. I did the intro and one other because somebody t- you and I, our initial impression, spoiler, was like, well, this is kind of basic. But then we started adding champions, doing the, like Mike and I, we did the 3v3, we had the mm-hmm. other scenarios going, and it actually does uh, does move on a little bit. And for that matter, it does give a bit more flavor. I love, love, love the once-per-game abilities that are like uh, the limit breaks for your character that are specific to it. I think that does a lot to reinforce the theme yes. of the champion. And finally, the scoring. I think the scoring, having that ladder of like tug of warring that little marker back and forth for the scoring, I think that enhances the sensation that this is a struggle going on in the, in the battlefield. And what that means is, I don't know how much I got into this in the walkthrough. You get X points for knocking out a minion, a champion, or still having your banner, and it's all done on that little sliding score track. So it starts in the middle. I knock out Scott's champion. It comes closer to me. Scott took out my banner and a minion is closer to him. And you want it to be at the end of it on your side, basically at the end of the second phase. I thought that actually
1: brought out some, some theme in this game. That was a lot of words. Will I'm going to use not many words and say, I'm pretty much there with you. I think the difference in the war bands is the most of the theme and you, you can get into the theme of the world if you want, but A lot of miniature skirmish games don't necessarily immerse me hugely in in them. And so not hugely in this, but I do like each of those factions and how they play differently. What would have gotten me more is if in that box, I also got more just kind of just a little bit of lore about each of those factions.
0: Okay, What
1: would would, would have grabbed me more so I could feel like, ah, I am Ooglock, the Orc Warrior. (laughs) I am here because Patrick killed my goat be like whatever reason
2: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. what do you think scott theme and immersion i agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying as far as the different war bands were great having that the biggest thing that takes you into the theme i think is that tug of war aspect that you said because it does get you into the idea that you're battling for it and there's this ebb and flow of going back and forth as far as i'm taking this now and Oh, wait, no, there's something else is happening. I know I need to firm up my resources on this side over here. So there's all those little things there that I think add to the theme of the game. Yeah, having a little bit more lore would be great to get you more Mm. into the world. But other than that, I mean, it's having this and having so many different war bands you can play with. There is a, a world waiting to blossom here.
0: Bit number three, we look at a game's complexity. Let's talk complexity of God tier, which I'll lead off with. I think this is extremely easy to get into. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah. So when, when, when I did my my review, it's about as simple of a skirmish game as I think you're going to find. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, I, I and I and I've talked a lot about Omicron Protocol, which I think is about as crunchy a skirmish game as you're going to get without breaking out a ruler. This is on the other end of that. It's super, super simple. I mean, the rule book's what what? Like what? The actual rules are what? Four pages of actual rules?
0: The same. Yeah. It's actually a pretty big rule book, but the actual rules are not a very hefty chunk yeah. of it. So
1: super easy to get into.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it's that difficult to get into. I think the only thing that got a little bit fiddly was the number of tokens for different things for each different faction that they had. You had so many different tokens for this symbol and then this symbol and this symbol. If they could have just streamlined that a little bit, it would have been something for me just, yeah, this is a cakewalk. Let's do this. Let's play this over and over and over. And you can get more into the feeling of all the different war bands.
0: One of the ways that it does make it so easy to get into, though, is the rulebook says you know, when you're playing your first game, just pick one champion and go up against one champion. Now the game's meant to be played three champions versus three. Plus you have all your little minions scattered throughout for each of your champions. But if you start out on, on that one V one, you've only got a few cards in front of you. They spell out everything that you need to do or are capable of doing. And if you, if you do a one V one game, it's like, Oh my goodness, this is so easy that by the time you add in two more champions, like, okay, I got a few more cards to work with here. That's, that's a lot of front loaded information, but I already know what I'm doing. I thought it was a very good decision to introduce players to the game in that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can definitely see that. Yes. We started to talk about it. Let's move to bit number four, the rule book and the learning curve rule book. We got some large pages, examples, artwork, The rule book I felt was pretty top notch. I don't have any complaints. And I think that the learning curve ties into that. I think that if players simply start off as rule book suggests, like I just talked about, do the one-on-one. It's going to be easy to dive into. You've got that reference on the back of the rule book, along with those cards in front of you. You know how like we were talking a couple episodes ago, Scott, I think it was about rise of the gnomes about how each of the cards next to the symbol, it actually had the words. Like it, it had Mm -hmm. a sentence that said, add one cube to or add three cubes somewhere where you've already got one customer. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, even if I don't understand this symbol, I can read (laughs) the cards, do that for you. So even if you're looking at a card and you're like, well, I'm not sure what this does, then you've got to learn how to read because it is right there. It's that easy. You're not going to be, your face is going to be on the board and in the game and not in the rule book.
2: It was easy to pick up on playing the game is very straightforward there's not much into it I mean you can definitely build on to this and make it more complicated there is a, a, a chance for them to make this a more demanding type of game but right now yeah it is an easy game to get into definitely
1: yeah the, the only complexity I think that you're you're really finding is in some ways you do need to kind of understand what all the factions are doing that are on the board um so you're not you know getting that's surprised perfect. so there's a little bit more than just the four pages but that's two or three cards per faction you know to they need to check out mm-hmm. uh the, the real component no that's meat i'm not going to say anything to the meat about that oh well let's get to it then bit number five will you lead us off then where's the meat oh five's the meat oh wow that's <laughs> i do this not for a living people you know we sent you a google doc <laughs> yeah but it didn't have the bits on it this isn't
0: the first time we've done this First, we did this nine months ago. You didn't see that was no, There weren't eight
1: bits then. We talked about <laughs> you be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't be expected to read. Come on. However, I think the, the meat is in the warband combos that you're doing. I think mm. that's where the, the real fun is of getting your different war bands, figuring out how they're going to synergize together, figuring out how you're going to counter whatever nonsense and shenanigans that your opponent is doing. And because there are so many warbands, I mean, there are, I don't know, 16 maybe you can get. There's a bunch. Uh, I I didn't do the math. I got one, two, three, five. I think I have nine. Yeah, I think that's what I had. And um, one of the ones that you were describing earlier, I don't think I had. (laughs) So so there's so so many of them. There's so many combinations. That, I think, is where you're going to find the fun, especially after you move on from the first intro scenario, which is just kind of scrum in the middle and start mm-hmm. doing some of the others, I think that's where you're going to find the replay. That's where you're going to find the meat and uh, the fun. And also enough people start playing a little little, little tournament scene. I think it mm-hmm.
2: could be really, really hot. Coming from the miniature side of things, I think it's one of those things where you get into really, like you said, Will, the intricacy of one war band. You want to feel like you know this war band, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, and then you're ready to get those strategies worked out. I'm looking at different pictures on Board Game Geek right now from it, and seeing the ones that are painted, you can really draw a story in mind as to what this warband's doing. You play it long enough, you're going to get sucked into this world, sucked into that warband and what their story is and what they're trying to do. So I think definitely the, the biggest part of the meat of this game Comes in learning the synergies of your war band that you're playing.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Part of what makes, well, what made Magic the Gathering so fun for me was that prior to a tournament, you're trying to think about what to play and you're reading articles and you're, you're testing with these two cards instead of those two cards. This is similar to that on a much smaller, a much more easily digested scale where a lot of the fun of the game is that pre-planning. What am I going to play tonight? Mike's coming over or Brendan's coming over and we're going to play some God tier. I've got these, I, I have seven in my basement. And I know Mike has some collection of, of, of these champions as well. I don't know what he's going to bring, but, What do I want to play? Now, that is a a big chunk of it. In terms of actual gameplay, you've got two phases. You've got your plot phase, which is going to require you to basically activate everything at once. And then in Clash, it's one at a time, back and forth with your opponent. And I think actually that's where a lot of the meat of the actual gameplay lies. Positioning is important. Combat is important but so much of it comes down to how well you execute the combination of those two phases. That's where you're gonna be scoring your points. That's what's gonna determine the winner. Uh, And I thought that was sort of the other side of where the meat in the game lies. Guys, let's talk replayability and variability. Bit number six, I think that miniature style games almost always get high marks in this category for me. Uh, In the case of Godrius, you're always gonna be racing to five points. That's not gonna change, but it does not matter. You've got a ton of options to choose from when you're picking those champions like we talked about. That's obviously, provided you have a couple of, of extra sets, uh, coupled with the scenario that you're going to choose to play. I think that alone, that's more than enough to keep this coming back week after week and, uh, Will, you'd mentioned like, oh, you could almost see like a little tournament going for this and I even put that in my notes under replayability. This strikes me as a type of game that you could have a league for, like a Blood Bowl league. Uh, every FLGS, a friendly local game store, seems to have that group in the back, you know, like the, the group of guys that play Warhammer every other Saturday. I could see this getting that kind of faithful gaming group, it's just a lot easier to get into,
1: yeah. And it's uh, because it's I, I don't know, it's like 30 bucks for a war band, a something. lot cheaper to get. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. that said, we talked about earlier, it was only like 40 bucks, but come on now, you're not playing with just. Just the core set. Like you need the Working core getting set. The downside and, shortly. Oh, sorry, yes. sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll sorry. let you lead the downside. But but yeah, um, what are we on what is this replay? Is this is a replay. Oh, for God's yes. sake. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think the more the, the amount of replay you're gonna get out of this game is directly related to how many people do you know that also want to play this game. Yep. Thank you. If you got seven people nearby, that are playing this. You got so much replay out of this. If it's just, you know, uh, Patrick, you can only play with me and Scott. That's a lot less replay.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's one of those things where you have to look at, because um, I know I've been on the, let's get this thing, this game started with miniatures. And you don't have that group of people that want to do it. You get that people that are behind you and they grab that thing there and they start playing it oh, yeah, you're going to have a thriving community playing this and people are going to buy different warbands and they're going to try different things. Now, I think this is right for expansions with giving new cards to the different warbands because you have a card for your leader. You have two cards for your minions or something like that. Depending on how many minions you have. Yeah. So it's a small amount of stuff that you have there, but it is right for uh, an expansion there to give you just a little bit more. I mean, Throwing in one or two more cards, just that is more than enough to really expand. Some more decisions to make sure. Build on this, yes. All right. So what do we have now? The downsides. Downsides, and we're
1: gonna let Will take it. So the the only two things out there is one, if you're looking for something with some serious crunch, you're in the wrong place. It's not not a crunchy game, as sure. we've already kind of talked about. But the other one is. You're not getting a. You're not getting out of here with just a core box. No, 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 no. You need <laughs> a good four other. Now, for me, I think actually two versus two, two champions versus two champions is, is for me the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know you're buying you know four more warbands. Now you're up to like 160 bucks or so. I'm sure they have bundles. So mm-hmm. it's now that said, you can make use of these minis on a lot of other things, and you know a lot of shelf space. But really, that, that's the only downside for me is just. Like with any miniatures game, it's a it's a dark hole of of money you're jumping Did in. Did we
0: all have that under down that you I mean, need more than just the starter set. Yeah. yeah it, it, I it yeah. To think we probably all put that on there. It, you just can't get away with one. Set. So, so I mean it's even set. set
1: up like that because in the starter set it comes with three battle mats for you. Mm-hmm. So it's even expecting you both to have bought a different starter set. So you have mm. the six battle mats. The game has two different starter sets, um, each one with two different
0: champions. And then whenever you buy a champion box, you get the champion, you get the, the minions that come along with it, the followers. So you get all the minis and then you get the cards that represent them. And that's it. Your, your starter sets, what's going to have your dice, your tiles, all that sort of stuff. Um, you can't get away with just buying two of the expansion packs, like champion packs. You don't have enough to play with. You mm. need the board and whatnot. Uh, depending on how deep you want to go. Yes, this can certainly get pricey. Uh, I also like if you're buying this thinking, oh, we can do it. says two to eight on BGG, like uh, two to eight players. Like I could see, okay, we're going to do a 3v3 game. I can see where that would just be like, you know, like somebody's mm-hmm. going to be sitting out, somebody's going to champion. I think this game shines. I think it's an excellent two player game, but I don't think that it's going to be as
2: exciting as you get
0: up to four and six
2: players. Getting started with just that intro game, I think it was rough because all of the game happens pretty much right in the center of the board
1: yeah that, that intro scenario is boring yeah, and, can, you, <laughs> can you imagine playing three <laughs> champions on three or four oh, on
2: four with that one gonna pile that's up like, in the middle yes and, and that's <laughs> all it is and that was my biggest downfall there is that everything got jammed up right in the center you have all this i mean they give you a big board And And,
0: Scott, to their credit, they use it a lot in some of the other scenarios. They use that space a great deal. So to your point. uh, Yeah,
2: that's all that I got the chance to play there. So that was the whole thing there. I just played the one little thing. So it was one of those things where I was like, wow, this this doesn't get. So it's part of my fault there that I didn't play more and expand on it some more. So, Well, guys, we like to bring things home with bit number eight, where we say, was it fun? And who do we think this game's for? Well, I will jump in here and take this one then. Initially, I didn't think it was all that much fun. Whenever I got it out there, I was taking a look at it. I was taking a look at the cards. It didn't seem like there was all that much to do. But hearing you guys talk more about it, seeing more pictures of it, more of the champions and stuff, I want to get into it. I want to take a look at it again. I want to give it a second try. I think this is definitely for someone who likes miniature games, someone who likes D&D, like you said, Will. This would be great to have extra figures to use for D&D, plus having their extra game that you can play with this. So it it is a very welcoming game for people to get into, to take a look at. So there are a lot of options other than just this main game you can use it for. So that's what I like there.
1: Yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, I do, I do think it's fun. I, I think for me, really for either the person or people who are kind of want to get into that realm of the miniatures war games, but are completely intimidated by the Warhammer, you can't see mm. me, but the huge, thick Warhammer 40k rule book. Oh yeah. Or, or or whatever it is. And even though we both we all talked about it being a little bit pricey, it's still way cheaper than oh, yeah. multiple. Yeah. So the that type of person, and I think the person who is into maybe the, the Warhammer. Or like the maybe I'm thinking Kill Team. That's the that's the squad based. Yeah, one. yeah. Or Age of Sigmar, which I think is smaller miniature count. But who just wants to be able to play something that is light and quick? Because I think that's what it has going for. Because compared to other miniature games, I don't think you are can find one that's quicker and easier to get to the table.
2: True, true. Like you, uh, we said earlier, the tug of war thing is a great aspect of it, and it is just primed for uh, at a game shop to have a tournament.
0: Guys, all I can really do is summarize what you said. I've been, I've been having a lot of fun with God tier. Uh, It's simple enough that I can teach a more casual style gamer, but there are a lot of tactical decisions that you get to make on any given turn. It plays relatively quick, doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Customization here is good, not great, but for somebody like me, I take that to mean that it's not overwhelming. Like I avoid Warhammer because I don't want to spend most of the day double-checking what my opponent's units actually do, let alone my own, right? And and this this removes that. I think this could translate pretty well to a demo table at a con. It's that easy to pick up. Who's it for? Just what you guys said. You know, if, you, if you're looking to get into the pond that is miniatures gaming and you want to start with dipping a toe, I think this is a great way to do it.
1: Nailed it.
0: Adventures, one year ago today, we reviewed Dog Park. This was not yet out for people to play, but you could play it on Tabletopia at the time, which I had the opportunity to do. I, you know what, Scott, this is one of those uh, situations where we're like, we want to make sure that whenever we do our look backs, we have a lot to say. You know, too often mm-hmm. when we're listening to our, our podcast, they say, well, it hasn't been to the table. It's a good game. I haven't played it though. Well, yeah, this is a good game, but I haven't played it though, namely because I don't have a copy. I see people are starting to get their copies in it's got decent rating it sits at 7.6 on bgg at the moment comments are starting to pour in and a lot of them are very similar to what we initially had to say is that you get a good wingspan vibe from this game with a different theme i'm going to stand by that if you have the opportunity to get a hold of dog park or get in a play absolutely do i had a lot of fun with it but i don't have anything to add in our look back
2: I mean, that's more than I can say. I didn't get a chance to play it, but the idea that you still have fond memories of whenever you did play it, that's more than enough there.
0: You know, what gets me is I didn't back it at the time. Like it was live on Kickstarter whenever we did the review. Right. And uh, I, I just didn't have the money for it. You know, mm. stay at home, dad. Right. And you know, I just didn't
1: have the spare cash in it. But I But you're totally... part of big time board game review. Aren't you loaded? <laughs> what from, from level up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> will this cost us money
0: i don't know how well you're doing with that we're we have we're very net negative so far well there
1: there there's a there's a reason that i'm still a high school teacher (laughs) yeah well there you go with our powers combined we could go out to like chili's
3: oh Sorry, sorry adventurers, I have been deep underwater for a very long time, that's why you haven't seen me. Just Patrick, King Scott, it is good to be back. Adventurers, welcome to Lost Loot, the part of the show where you and I take a look at any all-games ranked below 1,000 on BoardGameGeek.com. And today, as always, have I got a gem for you. Over the recent years, I have had a little bit of an obsession or a very strong interest in anything related to feudal Japan or samurai. This comes from my interest in watching the classic Akira Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai. For those of you who haven't watched this movie, it is a absolute treasure of a film. It is a classic. It's about seven samurai who defend a small helpless village from a group of bandits. Chef's kiss of a film absolutely great. And there are actually a lot of games based on it. It kind of revolutionized the genre of samurai, ronin type, that type of thing that's really popular nowadays. The reason I bring this up, because today's game has to do with samurai. Coming in at a rank at 5,721 is Bushido by Gray Fox Games and designed by Pedro Mendoza. Bushido is a game of dueling martial artists testing their training against one another. One shall prevail and prove their techniques superior. The other will turn to studying until they are strong enough to win. But let's be honest, they die. I, I like to imagine they die instead of, you know, coming back to train again. It- it's much more thematic that way. Players begin with a card draft which represents the training of their fighters. After training, players play a series of rounds wherein they play technique cards from their hands or change their guards in order to create a pool of combat dice which they hope to use to strike their opponent or defend their attacks. In this game, damage escalates quickly so players must be able to block, evade, and strike simultaneously to try to keep the momentum of the encounter in their favor. The game ends when one warrior has bested the other. So there's a lot of things I really like about this game. Um, that I gave you just the basic overview of what it is, but really this is a game I picked up at Origins, of all things. You know, that's the last time I actually saw um, Scott and Patrick is at Origins. I was just perusing around between me volunteering at some booths and pitching my own games, and I was actually looking for the game Last Light. That was also by Gray Fox, but they didn't have any copies. I was not surprised about that, but I was looking at all their other games. This little guy was just sitting in the corner for $10, and as I was inquiring about it, one of the guys there sold me on it by just saying, oh yeah, that's a fantastic game. It was two players, I like dice, and so I was like, eh, I'll go for it, why not? Oh, well, I bring it home after traveling the long, long 12-hour drive from Columbus back to North Carolina, and it's one of the first games I broke out. I will say I had a struggle with it at first because I didn't quite understand how the gameplay went back and forth. Was it simultaneous? Did we have turns? But eventually, after some meandering, I was able to figure out and, ah, it just hit so well. When me and my wife were playing this for like the third or fourth time, we had a great experience where I was completely dominating her with my character. I was the, obviously the better, in the better position, the better player at that point. But because of one mistake of me not changing my guard and playing the correct card, my wife was able to do one really well-placed attack and do so much damage one turn that I lost. I lost in one turn! Now, that's not everybody's cup of tea, but for this theme, I actually found it to be quite immersive. Like, the idea of you being able to make one mistake and everything goes to garbage. Absolutely wonderful. This is my kind of game for lots of reasons. One, it has a really cool dice battling mechanic. You roll some dice. There's an exploding dice system where if you roll a certain symbol, you get to roll more dice, which could increase your attack. There is a training or card drafting system where you get to draft the moves you want to use for that entire game, and it gives you a hand of five cards. I am absolutely in love with games that have a limited card hand or a limited hand size, so you only get like five cards for the game. Strife, Shadows, and Steam, which I've also talked before in Lost Loot, has a similar mechanic. So those five cards are we're going to be using throughout the game to try to outmaneuver your opponent. I love that puzzle in any game because you really have to think about, well, what cards are going to work well together as I draft? And how are they going to respond to the opponent who is also drafting cards that I can see? So really, you have lots of interesting decisions in that first little draft. And then you move to your equipment phase where you're picking a weapon that's going to work well with your cards or counteract your opponent's attacks that you know they have in their hand. There are so many good decisions in the prep up to the duel in this game. And the duel happens and is very fast gameplay. You make your decision, you change your guard, you do some damage... It feels like a duel, and I love that. I get lots of card games when they come to dueling, it, it sometimes works. You know, it's, it's interesting combat, card mechanics. This actually feels like I am dueling somebody and that my moves matter, and if I make one mistake, everything could be destroyed. And I love that because that's how real fights are. If you make one mistake, everything could just fall apart for you having, you know, wrestled in high school for a long time. I understand that. If I made one mistake on my stance, or if I did the wrong maneuver or the wrestling move, I could could easily get pinned and everything could just fall into a disarray where I am miserable and losing. This game has that in spades, where you are constantly thinking about what you are going to do and when you're going to do it. It's really balanced. It really is. Like, I never felt that I had the battle. I always felt like I was doing well when I was winning, but I never thought that... I was too far away from losing. And when I did think that, that's when I usually messed up and lost the game. So this game really keeps you on your toes and has you really thinking, you know, what cards do I play? Because as soon as I play my cards, I lose them until I take a rest or change my guard. And changing your guard is really risky because you can't do as much damage. And you may not pick the right guard for what the opponent has left. You are really trying to read your opponent. This is drawing you into what your opponent is trying to do. It is Absolutely nailing the idea of focusing on your opponent and trying to figure out what is their strategy and how do I react to that while also trying to implement my strategy based on what cards I drafted. There is no one is better than the other, like there might be players who are more skilled in some aspects, but sometimes it may come down to just the luck of the roll. I mean, there's not, luck has a a good amount to do with this, but you build your dice pool, so that luck is mitigated a little bit by the cards you draft and what positions you're taking. So you are controlling your luck in this. You want to make sure you have a really big dice pool in order to be able to defend or attack. And that back and forth that you have in the game, that decision you make, is so juicy. It's almost agonizing at some points. Like, do I, know, are they going to have a big attack coming up? I know they haven't played this one card that is going to do a lot of damage when they change their guard. Do I want to just get my defense up? Or do I want to see if I can get enough attack points where I can take them out right now? Oh, I want to play this game just talking about it. The real kicker of this game is the fact that the card play is so interesting. These five cards um, that you have in your hand have all different abilities. So there's different schools of training. there's like an earth school, a shadow school and many other types of schools and they all react differently. That drafting phase like okay well what, what do I choose? Do I want to like go deep in just earth and focus on hard defense with small attack and try to outlast my opponent? Or do I go to a bunch of generic attacks that give me, like, a well-rounded fighter? Or do I want to mix it up a little bit, try to pair two Earth cards with maybe, like, a Shadow card so I can try to not only have good blocking, but also do deadly attacks? It is so good. The beginning of the game, like, when you first started, it suggests, like, well, I'll take these five cards and play. I did that, and I had an okay time. But then me and my wife added the beginning training, the, the warrior prep phase into the game. That phase just brought the game to life It was like a whole different game. There was so much more strategy. There were so many more decisions to make. And it just made the payoff, even though I've lost a couple times, so worth it. What a marvelous game. The art is fantastic. It has a really good art design and really good um, symbology and this good graphic design. There is an expansion for this that I'm hoping to get my hands on. This game wasn't as popular as I thought it would be. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me because I'm talking about on Lost Loot. But this game is so good. It does not deserve to be all the way down here at 5,000. I, I would put this game in the thousands at least. This is such a really well done game. I'm not sure what's holding it back. It's probably just has to do with the fact that maybe it wasn't marketing too well. Maybe it's just, it's a two-player game. It came out during a time when two-player games weren't as popular right before the pandemic. And it just didn't gain enough traction. Either way, the dice in this game are really well done. The cards and artwork are really well done. The boards are awesome. I love the components in this game. I, I rave and rave about this game. This is real, this is really contending for my favorite game I've ever done on Lost Loot. So that is Bushido by Grey Fox Games. If you see this game in a secondhand store or at a convention at the Grey Fox booth, I urge you to pick it up because you can actually play this at four players too you know if you have two games it's designed to be two players but you can play it at four I'm tempted to buy another the copy just so I can play it at four one day with somebody Patrick Scott if you guys find this at your game store up in you know PA Pennsylvania Pittsburgh whatever whatever you're at during this time of year get this game this is so good adventurers find it I want people to play this game because I want to play it with people this is so good as I said before it's easily contending for my favorite Lost Loot we have ever done on this channel. Well, that's going to do it for me today, Adventurers. I am so thrilled to be back and talking to you about this game. And remember, when you're at Origins or Gen Con, Pax, Shucks, whatever and be, Essen, and you're looking at all the glitz and glamour around you, look for the games at your favorite publisher's booth that may not be the one you're looking for. You never know when you might find some Lost Loot. Lost Loot Well, hey, Josh, thanks so much for
2: uh, letting us know about Bushido. Um, I know we're we're still waiting for our senjutsu to come in. Yeah, um, darn right we are. Yeah, I mean, I'm still chomping at the bit for that one there. I, every time I see the email saying like, update is it
1: coming no it's uh, not coming uh, are you guys okay after that that last update with the delay yeah, yeah. not uh, yep,
0: next
2: yep 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 oh i got some other kickstarters i'm waiting to come in they for, had so. good
0: reason though they said you know yeah. what we don't want some people to get it and yeah. other people to have to wait a few months and i thought like, okay uh, I can
2: get behind blazing still <laughs> waiting
0: for
1: that one <laughs> boy and that there were there were just a couple of real angry people about that
2: I want my game now. Forget the rest of the world. But anyway, but sorry. hopefully we can get a chance to check this one out. This might. uh, Oh, we got time. We're waiting on Senjutsu.
1: Yeah. Why not? Thank you so much, Josh, for this lost loot segment. You know, in the stone sword, they they got some good stuff. So I I just had shipped my order of Hogs of War, the miniatures game. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's on its way, which is very cool to some of the best air combat I've seen in a miniatures game. And they also, it's technically not stone sword. It's paper fort, but that's a subsidiary of stone sword. They have Cosmoctopus coming, which I have a copy of here. And it's just awesome. Yeah. We just found
0: out that Will Brown did not listen to last week's uh, uh, two (laughs) weeks ago's episode or hasn't finished it yet. Yeah,
1: no, I had the chance. You know, know I listen because I always send you messages when I'm listening. Like what?
0: What's going on? I'm guessing that you gave me a subtle segue and I just uh, didn't grab it at all. No, no. I just (laughs) just forgot. Till end of the episode, we talked about Cosmoptopus and uh, I had the chance to play that with Chris, who's one of their like marketers for it. And it was so cool. He messaged. He's like, yeah, the guys at Stone Sword said they really enjoyed coming on your show. They said we should reach out to you. So (laughs) it's like, well, we got to do this. We couldn't get him on in time. To do a, an official side quest for it, but Adventures check out Cosmoctopus. Well, do you know the date yet? Do we have a date for Kickstarter on that?
1: Uh, it's in October. I think it's two or three weeks from today's recording. So um, like a week and a half from now. Yeah, so so something like that. It, it, it's coming. It's coming quick. It's quick enough that they reached out to me today and wanted to know when uh, when I would have a video. Like they're starting with the, Ooh,
2: the moon. <laughs> <laughs> To another edition of Thunderdown. Yeah! Uh, let's get ready for two games, Thunder, one
0: Oh, that's a new transition, a new segue to a new segment. Scott, sometimes I'm going to be doing this for you, and sometimes you can do this for me. All uh, right. <laughs> yeah. The hand gestures. Okay. Oh, regroup. Two games enter. One game I'm getting leaves. the vapors. <laughs> Keep it down over there, Brown. Will here's how this is gonna work. I'm I'm gonna pitch Scott two games. All right. Two games enter, one game leaves. Now you can take this as you want. You know, we're not gonna say oh, one game kills the other or one game. You, no, you know what? I'm gonna we're, we're gonna put some stakes in this. We're gonna make this Ooh, matter. I like Scott, I'm gonna present to you two games, one of which You will never get to play again. Ooh, wow. Okay. The other one stays in your collection, and you get to show it off, and you'll always have someone at the ready to play whenever you like. All right. these two games are similar in some fashion. I went with last week's review game, Block and Key. All right. And not that long ago, you taught us and talked about mountains out of mole hills. Oh. Obviously, I'm picking each of these because they've got the two layers of board. Yes, one on the bottom, yes. one on the top, a three-dimensional board with all kinds of 3D elements mm. going on, stacking. Two games enter, one game leaves. The floor is yours,
2: Scott. Oh, man. You, you, this one hurts because... I, I'm friends with Connor, so this, this one hurts here. If I say anything, there's bad. no friendship
1: in two games. Enter one. Game. Oh, all right. Thank all you. Right.
2: All right. So mountains out of molehills. You're playing moles. You're digging underground. You're building. <laughs> imagine that mountains out of molehills. Uh, <laughs> blocking. key. Go. I don't get it. <laughs> blocking key. You're just digging things up to open up locks to get deeper into to this tomb. Mountains on a molehills. It's very simple to set up. Plastic pieces. Cute little clear acrylic moles that you have running around. And you have a bag of rocks, basically, that could kill a man. I mean, they are clay Tetris shapes. Yes, yes. Don't take this image away from
0: me,
1: Patrick. Okay, okay. I'm. I see Scott running around the Ren Fair next year, murdering people with block and key. With
0: block and key, inside yep. up gets a strongly worded letter from an attorney.
1: Uh, yeah, but it's but, delivered uh, by Sparrow, so they got time.
2: <laughs> Looking at the two games, mountains on a molehill. It's interesting whenever you're building it up, and whenever you're getting the score, you see the score fluctuate through the six different rounds. So it's like, it's coming up. It's coming up. Oh, wait, I'm going down. I'm, I'm going back up. I'm going up. So you never really know who's going to win the game until the very end. Blocking key, you can house rule it to make it go a little bit longer, but I don't know if it works that well. And you're only playing on the one side that you're looking at, looking at trying to unlock the two. One
0: I, of them hits you I in the feels to say more than here, the other.
2: I feel that I might have to go with mountains out of molehills. There it is. Do you hear is. that, Connor? Do you hear that? Oh, <laughs> my.
0: Mountains Connor,
2: I love you, Mole man. I will it. still play Blocking and Key, and I've been teaching it to everyone that will listen to me. This just in. Connor McGoey looking for a new friend.
0: One <laughs> game <laughs> games. Two games enter. One, One game needs. All right, guys. Time to have a little bit of fun on One Level Up. We'll, we're so glad to have you on as a guest. I thought, well, you know what? You two have had animosity. Over the past, Scott's always calling you his nemesis. I think you know we're going to settle this. We're going to give you guys a chance to clash.
2: Oh, play okay. a little bit
0: of trivia on Level Up, and this is one that if you're listening at home, you can join in. You guys ready? Here's the way that this is going to work. I'm going to describe a board game to you, and then I want you to ding in. And if you get the answer right, you'll get a point. If you're wrong, you don't get another shot at that. You, you don't get multiple guesses. You can't keep reading All right. it. All right? Right. So if you think you know it, boom, and tell me what the answer is. High score wins. We've got 15 going down the list.
2: We ready? All right. Okay.
0: Game number one. Get your coal from next to you. Get iron from anywhere. Damn, the cotton market sucks. Oh, and the new version has beer.
2: Scott? Oh, God. Oh, man. I just went completely (laughs) blank. Uh, It's um, Birmingham, Brass Birmingham. Point to Scott. Point to the king. Scott, you got to keep score for me, okay? Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, Will. Former king. Former king.
0: Well, no, I think I'm. Well, we're still awaiting the adventure. uh, Yeah, uh, now
1: they might want you to take the job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Game number two. Talk to each other for 20 minutes about what the right play is, then cooperatively lose all of your pieces to the invaders anyway. Oh, and don't let them build towns. Scott, you're quick on the buzzer. Diplomacy. It is not diplomacy. Will, chance to tie it up. Talk with each other for 20 minutes about what the right play is, and then cooperatively lose all of your pieces to the invaders anyway. Oh, and don't
1: let them build towns. It sounds like some kind of pandemic. So is there a pandemic alien invasion? You're so close. (sighs) Pandemic Cthulhu
2: from space. It is not
0: Pandemic
1: Cthulhu from space, Scotty.
0: I see you nodding. Do you know?
2: I thought I did uh, Rise of the Gnomes. Spirit Island. Oh.
0: Oh, you said aliens. You tricked me. I did not say aliens. You said aliens in your response. Game, that is also true. (laughs) <clears throat> Get some plants here. Raise the temperature there. Maybe even build a little settlement on Phobos. Is that Terraforming Mars? That's Terraforming Mars, and we've got a tie game on to question number four. In this game that is definitely not IP infringing, players work together to save the ship. But watch out. Some Will's already. I'm not going to finish, Will. Nemesis. It's Nemesis. It's Nemesis. You didn't even let me finish the question. It was going to be, if you don't complete your objective or die on the ship, it's game over, man. Look, Scott, Scott, Scott's coming for me. (laughs) It's a speed game. It's a Scott. What's our score? Two to one in Will's favor. Oh, I like it. Okay. Number five, the bird game. Will. Wingspan. Bingo. (laughs) I was waiting for more. (laughs) Number six, the game with squishy berries. Will title Blades that may or may not be correct, but if it is correct, I'm sorry because it's not the one that I'm thinking of. Scott Everdell, clearly, the answer is Everdell.
1: Clearly, Ooh. I did, want did you to either of you get the collector's edition of no, Everdell. No. Mm,
0: yeah, mm-mm. it's huge. Got, I don't have it, but I've it seen it. It seems like it. Yeah,
1: we got that last week. We talked
0: about big boxes, and that was one that a lot of people responded. Be that as it may. Question number seven. Let's keep this rolling. The Indiana Jones game.
2: Oh my God. Uh, Scott. uh, Lost Ruins
0: of Our Neck. Bingo. I would have also accepted fortune and glory. That was the first
2: one I was going to hit with, so. Number eight.
0: This one's easy. Just flick your disc into the hole in the middle of the board.
2: Scott again. Look at you. You even got a cat. Yes, Crokinole.
0: Bingo, it's Crokinole. Wow, oh my, goodness. score?
2: Are you running away it? uh, What are we at? It's four to three in my favor now.
0: Oh, oh, okay, so Scott just jumped in. The, the, out the cat way. distracted me. That's exactly.
2: Uh, uh, oh, trust it's me, it's distracting me too.
0: Strategy. Number nine, delve ever deeper into the dungeon in search of artifacts, wealth, and fame. Just don't make too much noise. Scott on the buzzer. Clank. It's clank.
1: Uh, It
0: is clank.
1: And I just played that last week. (laughs) Number 10,
0: try to survive on a desert island in this usually solo game. Wait, make that die trying to survive. Is that Robinson Crusoe? It's Robinson Crusoe. I love it. Five to go, guys. Number 11, select one of 24 factions and gear up for excitement, only to find out that nine hours later, you're still playing the game. (laughs) Scott was so fast. (laughs) King, what you got? Twilight Imperium. Twilight Imperium. Number 12, the Where's Waldo game with a big map. Micro macro crime city. Micro macro. He's got it three to go. Six to five. Oh, it's anybody's game. Who's Who's got the six? I do. Oh, Scott's still got the lead. All right. Here it comes. Number 13. Cultivate bamboo
1: and score points, but mostly just at. <clears throat> Will? Takanoko. Oh.
2: But mostly
0: just admire the adorable panda miniature. Takanoko. up now. Two to go. What? Oh, I was going to say I did 15 so that we couldn't have a tie. And uh, but we both lift yes. one. Yep, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Number 14. This is largely considered a failure, and by most reviewers' takes, it's considered the worst legacy game.
1: The new Jurassic Park Island, uh, uh, Island Nublar. Incorrect. Is it, getting, is it getting bad reviews like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. The, the, oh, uh, no. Tom Vassell, almost, you might as well have set it on fire. <gasps> I'll uh, give you a point, Scott. G- 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 give me the tiebreaker if we wind up tying. Give me the tiebreaker. I,
0: I can go with that, yeah. I honestly This is don't largely know. considered a failure, and by most reviewers' takes, it's considered the worst legacy. <gasps> oh, oh, I know oh. what it is.
2: I see it on your wall. Yep.
0: Seafall. <laughs> I was gonna say you just said half the name and rhymed the other half. Seafall <laughs> it is. Okay, so this one, this one, it's all down to this. Uh, to my understanding, Scott, you're leading by one, seven to six. But if six and Will half, gets this right, oh yeah, he's got the tiebreaker. Yep. Last question or the last game clue is coronavirus pandemic and to take it on home on the tiebreaker
2: there you go
1: well done will Who i'm all stressed out yeah the uh the most recent stuff i've seen about the isla nublar people saying, you know it's not nearly as bad as people say it is like, <laughs> oh that's rough that's usually not a good sign yeah, I, you know what, I I
0: did not end up bagging it because I have some friends that backed it and I'm hoping to play their copy. <laughs> so hopefully, our thoughts in coming, it looked awesome. It looked absolutely awesome. When we left PAX, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to play this thing.
2: Well, we shall see. We shall see. But, Will, congratulations, my friend. Until the next time. That's
1: right. And just remember, everybody, if you want Scott to come work with, in the dung <laughs> collective let them let them know
0: yeah eventually the concept of like oh we're this role-playing game uh, we're this eight-bit party and we're off adventuring in the land of board games it's going to turn into <laughs> we're all shuffling shit <laughs> <laughs> well gentlemen we've hit the end of episode 74 and we're going to conclude the way that we always do and that is how we leveled up since we last spoke scott The floor is yours.
2: Well, mine, I mentioned at the beginning, I just finished up a little short student film. It was a lot of fun. All the cameras, all the lights. We lit up this motel like it was daylight, uh, all sorts of mysteries going on. So it was a great time. And I really, truly enjoyed it. And it was just enough there to make me feel like, yeah, I'm doing something good with my life right now. Well done. Quite the level up. Will, what you got? Give me a level up. Now, we haven't spoken since
1: January, so this has to be monumental. Well, you know, no well, pressure. I don't know if I'd go, you know, so I, I thought about talking about moving to the new job and feel like I'm making a difference teaching the the, the kids I'm working with now. But I'm going to go back and say I've been helping my brother to get Lunar Rush to be a thing for a long time now. I mm. uh, actually introduced him to Bernie and Brendan. And so to see Lunar Rush not only liked by almost everybody who plays it, but actually to have funded and knowing I played a part, not a big part, but a part in that, that is pretty, pretty cool. And everybody, go back Lunar Rush.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, Level Up gives it the firm stamp of
2: this game's a level up. I feel like I helped out with one of those backers at PAX.
1: Let me tell you that was that uh, 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 that was a great moment in, 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 in board game hawking, if ever there was one. And you know, I took that to full effect at Gen Con. I wish you had been there to see the performance.
2: Oh, oh I, bet, I, I bet! I <laughs> bet.
0: Guys, my level up this episode. This one for the show, and it's obviously it's the Stonemeyer Games charity auction, being able to raise funds for a, a very good cause. Uh, to to be asked by him to provide a charity for him to use in the auction, uh, it was humbling, thrilling. Uh, our our appreciation, you know, it, I we were Stonemeyer Games fans to begin with, and I think uh, the day after the auction ended, I sent him a thank you via email. And I said, you know, we were fans of the company and the games that you produced to begin with. But, uh, you know, it, it's more personal now. it It's, I, I don't have words to describe how how humbled we are to have uh, taken part in that. So uh, to all the adventurers that went and, and gave it the, the thumbs up uh, to uh, stonemeyer Games, obviously, for holding it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot to us. That's uh, an awesome level up as well. Well, we're going to give you the final words for today's episode. Good boy. Thank you for a dong.
2: Thank you, adventurers, for joining us for this episode of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. That's where you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, And join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes and the Heatley Brothers. And remember, whether in hobby or in life, always do what you can to level up.